Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Buzz, a series of interviews with your employees by OneHive, giving you an unfiltered glance into the good, the bad, and the personal of all things workplace culture. Our guest today is Cameron. Cameron, it's great to have you. Would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Cameron. Uh, I live in the Midwest, and I work in academia. I work at a, a mid-sized Midwestern university and um, I'm a public speaking course coordinator. And I also do a little bit of moonlighting and stand-up comedian and sketch writer. Awesome, thank you, Cam. And we're excited to have, have you with us today. You know, during, during our first talk, one of, the, one of the main things that really like stood out to me was your story and your realization about being able to like make your own rules and you know, play by your own rules. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about how you came to that realization? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting. My job, my, you know, working in, in academia, being in charge of basically all these public speaking classes. I'm a teacher in short, you know, and in uh, and, and the, the, the flexibility and the freedom and the, the comfort I have with kind of being myself in that position means that I'm not your average college teacher. You're not going to see me with, you know, sweater vest and, you know, <clears throat> uh, the, the glasses and the, but not the glasses are bad, but you know, the patches on the elbows, all that. And it's because, you know, my entire life, I've really found myself um, trying to fit my own identity into places where I probably may not have fit. I'm, I was a teen parent coming out of high school. My son was born and I was a senior. I grew up um, a mixed race kid in a really white state, in a really white town. Um, and that came with its own host of like trying to figure out my identity, you know, especially when the world, when the world I grew up in was like, well, you're either black or white, so what are you? It's like, I have no idea what I am. And so I'm struggling to find my identity. I'm running into road roadblocks and, and opportunities and circumstances along the way, like having a kid young and figuring out if I'm gonna be the first person to go to college. And so from the gate, I feel like I was set up to be a little nonconformist. And I tried to take that nonconformist attitude and apply it to a system that really asks you to conform. And fortunately, to this point, I've been successful in finding a way to be myself and still be successful uh, in a bunch of areas where I feel like people all kind of come from the same cloth and I didn't, I didn't fit that mold. Awesome. It's, I mean, and I, I think that's how it should be, you know, that's because we're all trying to conform in one way or another. And unfortunately, you know, I, I feel that a lot of jobs nowadays that even if you're supposed to be yourself, it's like, with an asterisk by it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I do feel like, um, you know, people people want you to be you, but only as so far as like, you don't cause a problem or you don't make them question the way that they've done things, you know? They want you to be you, but you still have to fit in the box, right? Yep, absolutely, yep. Is How has, this realization, I guess, impacted your professional life, or I mean, even like your education, or uh, you know, the the culture, you know, the workplace cultures that you've been in, and whatnot. How how is that? Impacted? Yeah, so I can speak a little bit just to working in higher education, working in academia, right? Like, 
you know, I mean, I think that there's, for starters, I was in some ways a non-traditional student being a, a single parent and um, being a first-generation uh, college student. And then obviously I was the first in my family to go to graduate school. So figuring out what it was like to be a parent alongside some of my peers that were going through the same grad program and things like that, that they didn't, you know, they weren't trying to juggle all of those things at the same time. And also trying to navigate that kind of on your own, right? Like I didn't have anybody to rely on. I didn't really have a good cohort. And so what that meant was I could really only show up and be, uh, I could really only be honest to who, to who I was. And in some ways, I feel like that helped me stand out. You know, I mean, I was probably in graduate school in a cohort of uh, about a dozen um, high achieving graduate students and graduate teaching assistants. And of those, I was asked to stay on as a full-time faculty member. I think part of that individualism that I brought to the table, just something that said, look, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you about this textbook answer that you want for this, that, or the other. I'm gonna tell you about my life and I'm gonna try to apply this material. And I think that me having to look at the world and say, how does this work for everyone else? I know it's not gonna work for me that way because I'm a little bit different. So how can I fit it to my situation? That's a really good strategy for um, kind of tackling any problem, whether it's a workplace problem, whether it's, a, it's a, an issue in academia, whatever it is. And so that kind of approach, I think helped me stand out a little bit and I would say that in some ways, my, the, that those things that made me different and those things that made my experience maybe more, uh, more, more challenging, I won't say difficult, but more challenging, right? Um, those are the things that also set me apart. It was the things that made me look a little bit different from the rest of the group. And so when it came hiring time, they said, well, who stands out? You know, and they, they kind of always end up looking towards me because I was doing things just just different enough. Awesome. And now you're a teacher. And, mm -hmm. you know, that in and of itself is being a leader as well. Yeah. And how, you know, is this something you're able to apply to, like, to your teaching and to your leadership? And how do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I certainly feel like, you know, I've been I've been teaching now for a little over 10 years. And uh, as a, in the classroom, I think it's just a big difference. You know, I mean, there's a lot of tropes about, you know, oh, it's the cool teacher and all the, you know, he's, you know, he's laid back or whatever. And I, and, and I can be those things, but really I'm just, I'm just trying to be honest to who I am in the classroom and, and I'm not trying to do an impression of a teacher in front of a classroom. Um, but I really feel like in my professional life as an academic, it, uh, it's been more my administrative role. So I'm currently, like I said, a public speaking course coordinator, which means that we have at our university, um, we offer uh, the public speaking class to over 2,500 students a year, right? Everybody on campus has to take it at some point in their college career, which means that we also have somewhere around 25 to 35 people teaching this class a semester. We offer many sections of it, right? I'm in charge now of all of the people teaching that class. So it's an administrative role that means I'm coordinating, you know, a monthly meeting, I'm coordinating weekly and daily communication across um, with people. And I think that's the areas in which I really feel like I've let my like I've let my hair down more 
in terms of I'm not going to button up. I'm not going to be the suit that's going to tell you, all right, well, we need to have this done a certain way and, and these things. I came up under people that were really formal, that were really standoffish, that were very protective of knowledge when it came to how institutional decisions were made, when it came to how any decision that impacted faculty was made. Um, always with the, you know, and, and there's never been much of a question, at least where I work, about whether or not that's gonna be beneficial for the students, but how decisions were made very rarely involved the, the, the faculty, very rarely involved the 25 to 35 people teaching the class. Um, it was very top down. So when I came into this role, I said, no, nah, we're not, we're not doing that. I'm, I've been on the other side of this. I've had complaints. I've, you know, I've listened to people say, well, you just made this decision for us. We didn't get any input. And so the first thing I do every time I have to make a decision is I solicit feedback. I get in people's input and um, I try very hard to let people know that, you know, a couple of years ago I was sitting um, in the peanut gallery with all of you being talked at. And now I'm on the other side of it, but I'm not going to do that to you because you know, you've known me and I didn't change just because they gave me a new title and, and a pay raise, you know. For sure. How, how has that, how has that mentality, I guess, maybe change things just as organizationally, you know, what, what effects positive and negative have come from that? Well, I think that I, you know, I, I, I think that there's probably negative effects in the sense that there are always going to be people that are like, well, he's too fast and loose, or he's too casual, or he's too cavalier, he, maybe he doesn't take it seriously. But I try very hard to let people know that, you know, even if, even if I'm joking about something or other, even if I'm, you know, um, just trying to speak candidly, I'm, I'm always going to take it seriously. You know, I always take everything seriously, and I'm going to work hard, and my work is going to show that. But when I'm talking to you, I'm not going to, I'm not, I don't need to impress you with, you know, telling you about all the hard work I did. I don't, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't matter to me. I want to connect with you as people. And I think that that's the positive impact that it's had. The positive impact is I, I get a lot of feedback from people who are like, this is so much better. Like, I love having you in this position. I love having you in this role. And it's from above me and the people that work, um, that, that are teaching the class that I oversee, you know, the people that are teaching that, you know, I was just like them. They say to me, they're like, this is, it's so refreshing. It's so nice to have somebody that I feel like is listening or is talking to us directly and is sharing um, how decisions are being made and walking us through the thought process so we have a better understanding and isn't so precious with the institutional knowledge and, it, and those things. And then above uh, me, my bosses, you know, when I think about like my dean or my director, my, you know, things like this, um, these people are saying, wow, you know, people are really responding really positively to you. And, you know, I asked them questions that I would have asked uh, as a faculty member to another faculty member. Like, oh, I can't believe, you know, why are they making this decision or why did they do that? Those are those, those little chatter things that happen, you know, among the, around the water cooler, whatever you want to call it. Um, I try to bring those conversations to those higher up administrative meetings and be myself. And then they say, oh, you're right, nobody ever really pushes on this and nobody really asks us why or does these things or forces us to explain. And so I'm trying to demonstrate for faculty that they can be themselves. I'm trying to demonstrate for administrators that I'm still gonna be me. I'm still gonna be like one of the, the lowest people on the totem pole right where I came from. I'm still gonna you know, talk and work and ask and think like that. Um, 
And hopefully through that modeling, people will see two different sides of how you can, you can always be yourself and still fit into different roles in any organization, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, one, one of the thoughts, and I find this just curious is, you know, is it really possible for any person to give everything that they think that they're capable of giving through a specific role in a company? And I think that that can be, uh, you know, difficult, if not sometimes impossible to find. And, you know, one of the ways that it seems like you have found an outlet with that is with your moonlighting gig. Yeah. Right. And that's also another definition of, you know, playing by your own rules. So, yeah. Like, well, yeah, I, I certainly don't think that people are going to be able to live out their fullest fantasies and dreams trying to get a paycheck. It's just not going to happen. Right. I'm fortunate enough where the my 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 health insurance comes from a job that I'm passionate about and that I care about. Right. Like I like being able to impact students. The reason why I still want to be in academia is because I wasn't expected to go to academia. And I see a lot of students that come through the door. I see people that are working with students that come through the door that also weren't expecting to go into academia. And so in some ways, I feel like I've stayed in this field because it helps me continue that cycle of pulling the unexpected student through the system, hoping that they can go and, you know, they don't have to stay in, they don't have to go in and teach or do those things. They can go do whatever they want to do. But I like being able to feel like I'm giving back to the same system that helped pull me up, right? But you need people on the inside that are looking out for kids like that. For sure. On the flip side, um, you know, I, and and I'm never, I'm also, I'm, I'm not personally ever going to be somebody that's like, look, uh, don't have a job just to have a job. Sometimes we have to have a job. And there are people in the world that don't have the luxury of not doing something they don't want to do every day, right? Sometimes you got to. But I would tell you that if you can, find ways to take that thing that you don't like to do and insert the part of you that you love, the part of you that you're proud of into that thing that, you, that, you're, not, that you're not as passionate about, right? And that can be anything. You know, maybe, you, maybe you're a, a server at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant, right? And maybe you wanna sing or something. So I don't know, sing while you're getting plates, sing while you're picking things up. Find the, and that's such a small example, but you know, whatever it is, find ways to make the thing that you're proud of yourself a part of the thing that you have to do and eventually those worlds will start to blend so for me i do stand-up comedy i write sketches i do internet um videos and things like that and that's a part of me that i think that like a lot of academics would be like mm, that's a little immature or oh that's a little uh that's, that's not quite as professional we don't want you you know putting you know your students might find those things and i don't care because I'm not going to put anything on the internet that I don't that I don't like. I'm not going to put anything on the internet that I don't mean. And I'm not going to and if if somebody at work said, "Hey, you I heard you talking shit about this <clears throat> thing on the internet. I saw this video. Great, good. I hope you liked it. I would, <clears throat> I'm I teach public speaking. I'm in charge of public speaking. What is stand up but another form of uh, public speaking it's all about communicating ideas and it's all about adapting to a different kind of audience and so I feel like I can justify that the only reason that I feel like I can justify it is because I took something that I wanted to do something that I thought was fun and I was proud of and I found a way 
to negotiate how that applies to the thing that gives me health insurance, right? Um, and so I, I really think that for anybody, you know, find, find the, again, it's all about, it's all about finding pride. It's all about finding the thing that you love about you and putting that everywhere that you can put it. Um, and the more you do that, I think the more that people realize they don't have to be downtrodden anywhere they go, as long as they take that part of themselves that nobody can take away. And that's the thing that they hang their hat on. You know, you, you'll never be dissatisfied if you can find something you're proud of in yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, is this something that you try and help the people that you lead find as well? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I have faculty members that do all sorts of things. Like, um, I was just talking to somebody the other day, and she, um, you know, she's living a very, you know, college professor, uh, suburban, Midwestern lifestyle. And to be honest, it's very different for her because she grew up in a really rural part of the Midwest. She grew up on a farm. She comes from a cattle family. She's real ranchy, right? And I'm like, you don't have to hide that part of yourself just so that, you know, you feel like you fit in with the crate and barrel or, you know, the, the Olive Garden types. Like you just be, you know, I mean, let, let that part of you stand out. And she's like, well, how can I do that? I said, well, you have to, you have students read things. You have students watch things, right? Have them read and watch the things that you like and that you've learned from, um, whether that's uh, a research article about um, about what it's like for, you know, we have certain types of research that are all about experience. I said, rather than having them read about an experience that is one that we've been having them read for 10 years, pull one that's about ranching, pull one that's about cattle ranchers and what their experiences are, and then have them find something that fits what they're interested in. And she had somebody find something about tattoos. And she was telling me all about this article that this student found that was all about the, the rhetorical power of tattooing and things like this and that's just a good example of how she took a part of her that she loved introduced it to the students told the students to find something that interested them and they brought that back to the table and all of that came from me being like this is what I do and it's just because it's who I am you don't have to do what I do literally at all and the person before me was like no everybody's going to do it this way because this is what fits and I just don't think that model works Absolutely. I mean, it's, I think it's, I mean, it's always easier just to bring your full self to the table whenever you're, you know, in anything that you're doing. And I think it's an, I think it's awesome advice to be able to try and blend your own passions into even the things that you may hate the most like that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so do you have, you know, I, I kind of want to like, just consciously dig into this a little bit. Like if I'm a leader listening to this today mm -hmm. and yes, I want to do this for myself, but like, I think that these are also the types of things that will get the people that you lead to care more about what they do and, you know, be a better team player and stay with the company longer, produce better work, you know, do all of these other things. Like, so if I'm trying to make this impact today as a leader you know can we dig into some ideas and how we can go about that yeah 
I think one of the biggest things, and if I, if I could say probably the, the biggest thing is it's about taking your own, it's about checking in and being cognizant of your own enthusiasm for your individualism, right? As people, we're very enthusiastic about ourselves, right? We, that's what we care about. We care about us. We like the things that we like, period, right? Mm -hmm. Take that enthusiasm for your own individualism and remember and check in and know that everybody working for you and everybody that's a part of your team and everybody working with you, they have that same amount of enthusiasm for their own individualism. And your job as a leader is to inspire their enthusiasm, right? For themselves. If they feel like they can bring themselves to the table, they're gonna be more excited to come to that table every single time. You'd be like, hey, I get to go be me today. Hey, I get to go be myself. Hey, I get to talk about the thing that makes me excited today. And somebody is gonna be receptive to that. It means being enthusiastic about your own individualism, but making space for other people. It doesn't mean that you're just going to project yourself. You're not projecting your individualism. You're projecting your enthusiasm and hoping that other people bring that enthusiasm for themselves to the table as well, right? And that's where we get, get hooked up, I think. Because how many times, you think about, if we if think about fam the family structure, family structure is all about leadership. And if a parent is passionate about baseball, right? And a parent, to, and, and you've seen this trope in a hundred TV shows and movies, parents passionate about baseball, tries to get his kid to love baseball. And the kid doesn't love baseball, but the kid loves, let's say Magic the Gathering. Well, by the end of that story, what happens? The dad's like, oh, my kid's Magic the Gathering is my baseball. And I just have to wave the foam finger at his Magic the Gathering game or whatever, you know? That's the moral of that story that we've been told a hundred times. And it's because you don't have to pass on your individualism. You have to pass on your enthusiasm and make space for other people's individualism. Absolutely. I think, I think that's, that's an awesome way to look at it. So, and to kind of flip this coin a little bit too, if I'm somebody that's maybe like, I feel like I'm in an area, I'm in a company, I'm in a team, whatever it is that I don't feel like I've been given permission to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, I, I understand that can be a tough situation, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, what would you have to say to me? I think that you're not always going to be able to, um, you're not always going to be able to be given permission, right? But you have to think, I think in the big picture, what do you want? What is your end goal, right? Always think about what is your end goal, right? And sometimes you have to remind yourself, look, if I do this, what? what is the real fallout? Like what can really happen? Do I believe enough in the thing that I want to do that I think that if they just let me do it, then it would soar? Okay, well, what's stopping you from doing it? Well, if that's something, anything, if that's anything short of you being fired, go for it, you know? And, and, if, it, and if it's something you really, really want to do, if they'd fire you for it, then say, I don't want to be a part of that kind of place anyway. You know, mm -hmm. if I worked at an organization that was like, look, you can't, you can't be putting, you know, your opinions out on line or we don't want you doing stand up on the side or, or whatever it was. And I said, okay, well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be a part of this, you know, cause that's just part of who I am. And I think, you know, um, if you're looking to find 
if you're looking to find permission, don't don't think about it that way. Don't think about who's going to let you be who you are. Think about how you're going to be yourself and what it is that you want and negotiate how you connect those two dots and and then just do, you know, just run a basic cost benefit analysis of what what's the impact if I do this? Are they going to fire me or are they going to tell me no? Then look, don't be afraid to be told no, right? If you're going to say, if you say, I got this idea, I want to run it, but I don't think anybody will like it. Who cares? What are they going to do? Tell you no? They're not going to fire you just because they just because you had a bad idea. You well, know? And, and if you ask that question and they say no, you're in the same position as if you never asked the question. As if you never asked a question. You're just right back to starting point one, you know? So what? Good. Be there, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to, you're going to, you got to throw, um, if, if you're, you know, there's the, there's the throwing a, a, ball, a ball of dirt against a wall approach to things right you just throw it and see what sticks right um and that's a great approach because you never know what part of you your organization is going to want right the only thing i would say is if you're going to throw a ball of dirt make sure that everything in that dirt is you right mm -hmm. make sure that every idea that you pitch is one that you care about make sure that everything that you bring is in and it doesn't have to be you're going to have favorites you're going to have babies sure but as long as everything that you propose in your organization is you, unique to who you are as a person and, and is something that you can get behind at the end of the day that you'll defend and stand behind and be like, yes, I brought my own enthusiasm, my own self to this, right? If you're throwing that, it doesn't matter what they take. Your, your opinion is take any of it because it's all me, right? And then the more that they, they see that, then the more you're going to have opportunities where you'll you'll get to have more of those things that you're throwing at the wall will stick and you'll get to make some of those decisions. And then down the line, you just got to ask that of the, the, the people that, you know, that you're, that are working on your team, you know, you ask them the same thing. Hey, you, you can pitch a hundred ideas. I'll say no to 99 of them. So make sure that a hundred of them are ones you care about because the one that I pick is going to be the one that I pick. Um, and so, you know, if you're going to be you in a, in a place, get told no go back to zero and and don't stop pushing but always make sure that the things that you're pushing are you because you'll you'll snowball yourself if you have an idea that you feel like you just you know you propose something to your to your workplace that you weren't passionate about you didn't care about that'll snowball because then they'll run with that idea and they'll keep moving that idea and then that guilt that you feel like ah this is not me this is not what I wanted to do. And they're going to put you in charge of it because it came out of your mouth. Why would you ever say anything out of your own mouth that you didn't mean 100%? Don't get caught in a situation where you have to defend something you don't even care about. Agreed. Cameron, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your time. And I think that this has been awesome. Um, yeah, yeah man, I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Buzz. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and check out our other interviews. At OneHive, our vision is to ignite every person's professional passion so that businesses can unify, innovate, and succeed in the rapidly changing world. To learn more about OneHive and the services we offer, please visit us at www.onehiveculture.com. That's www.onehiveculture.com. Until next time.